Chapter Seven of And So They Were Married by Florence Moores Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michelle Eaton. The very next morning, as Elizabeth was engaged in putting the finishing touches upon the arrangements of her new home, with all the keen delight of nest building, so strong in some women and so utterly lacking in others, Miss Evelyn Tripp was announced and a moment later stepped airily from the laborious little elevator. "'Oh, here you are at last, you darling girl!' she exclaimed, clasping and kissing Elizabeth with empressement. "'I knew you were expected last night. Indeed, I was here all the morning helping. But as I told your mother, and that dear quaint grandmamma of yours, I wouldn't have intruded upon your first evening for the world. How delightfully well and pretty you are looking! And isn't this the sweetest little place?' "'And, oh, I nearly forgot. Did you find Mrs. Van Duser's note? I assure you I pounced upon that, and took good care to put it where you would both see it the very first thing. I don't mind confessing that I am simply devoured with curiosity. Was it a cheque, dear, and is she going to do something nice for you in a social way?' Elizabeth's cheeks burned uncomfortably. "'It was only a—a a friendly, at least I think. I am sure she meant it to be a friendly letter. She said so, anyway.' Sam put it in his pocket and took it away with him, she made haste to add, forestalling the urgent appeal in Miss Tripp's luminous gaze. Well, I am sure that was most sweet and gracious of Mrs. Van Duser. Didn't you find it so, my dear? So dear of her to personally welcome you to Boston. You'll call, of course, as soon as she returns from her country place. She will expect it, I am sure. Such women are most punctilious in their code of social requirements, and you can't be too careful not to offend. "'You'll forgive me for saying this much, won't you, dear?' Elizabeth was conscious of a distinct sense of displeasure as she met Miss Tripp's anxiously solicitous eyes. "'You are very good, Evelyn,' she said. "'But Sam, Mr Brewster, thinks it will be best for us not to.' She paused, her candid face suffused with blushes. "'I'd prefer not to talk about Mrs Van Duser, if you please. We don't ever expect to go and see her.' The tactful Miss Tripp looked sadly puzzled, but she felt that it would not be the part of wisdom to press the issue for the moment. Her face wreathed itself anew in forgiving smiles as she flitted about the little rooms. "'Isn't this the most convenient, cosy little apartment?' she twittered. "'I am so glad I was able to secure it for you. I assure you I was obliged to use all of my diplomacy with the agent, and your pretty things do light up the dark corners so nicely.' and speaking of corners somehow reminds me i have found you a perfect treasure of a maid but you must take her at once she's a cousin of our marie and has always been employed by the best people she was with mrs paget smythe last and i believe she told marie last night that she would be willing to come to you for only twenty dollars a month and that's very reasonable considering the fact that she is willing to do part of the laundry work the towels sheets and plain things you know expensive indeed it's not dear for boston why i could tell you of plenty of people who are glad to pay twenty-five and put all their laundry out i'd advise you to engage anita without delay really you couldn't do better elizabeth shook her head i mean to do my own work she said decidedly i shall want something to do while sam is away and why not this when i like it but you won't like it after a while my poor child when the shine is once worn off your new pans and things. And think of your hands. It's absolutely impossible to keep one's nails in any sort of condition. And besides, the heat from the gas range is simply ruinous for the complexion. Didn't you know that? Of course, you are all milk and roses now. 
but how long do you suppose that will last if you are to be cooped up in a hot stuffy little kitchen from morning till night miss tripp paused dramatically her eyes wide with sympathy and apprehension but we i am sure we oughtn't to afford to keep a maid demurred elizabeth in a small weak voice so please don't oh of course it is nothing to me my dear said miss tripp and miss tripp arose with a justly offended air i thought i was doing you a kindness when i asked anita to call and see you this morning it will be perfectly easy for you to tell her that you don't care to engage her but when it comes to affording i think you can scarcely afford to waste your good looks over a cooking range it is your duty to your husband to keep yourself young and lovely as long as you possibly can it is only too easy to lose it all and then miss tripp concluded her remarks with a shrug of her shapely shoulders which aroused the too impressionable elizabeth to vague alarms i am sure faltered the bride of two months that sam would like me just as well even if i of course you think so dear every woman does till it is too late observed miss tripp plaintively i'm sure i hope it will turn out differently in your case but i could tell you things about some of my married friends that would well all i have to say is that i never dared try it matrimony i mean and if i were in your place but there i mustn't meddle i solemnly promised myself years and years ago that i wouldn't the trouble with me is that i love my friends too fondly and i simply cannot endure to see them making mistakes which might so easily have been avoided i'm coming to take you out to-morrow and we'll lunch downtown in the nicest most inexpensive little place anne dear if you finally decide not to engage anita would you mind telling her that through a slight misunderstanding you had secured someone else these high-class servants are so easily offended you know and on account of our marie a perfect treasure oh thank you au revoir till to-morrow perhaps it is not altogether to be wondered at that immediately after miss tripp's departure elizabeth found occasion to glance into her mirror yes she was undoubtedly prettier than ever she decided but suppose it should be true about the withering heat of the gas range and then there were the rose-tinted polished nails to which elizabeth had only lately begun to pay particular attention the day's work had already left perceptible blemishes upon their dainty perfection elizabeth recalled her mother's hands marred with constant household labour with a kind of terror her own would look the same before many years had passed and would sam could he love her just the same when the delicate beauty of which he was so fond and proud had faded and what after all was twenty dollars a month when one looked upon it as the price of one's happiness elizabeth sat down soberly with pencil and paper to contemplate the matter arithmetically thirty-eight dollars for rent twenty dollars for a maid subtracted from one hundred and twenty the latter sum representing the young engineer's monthly salary left an undeniable balance of sixty-two dollars to be expended in food clothing and other expenses after half an hour of careful calculation based on what she could remember of innisfield prices elizabeth had reached very satisfactory conclusions clothing would cost next to nothing for the first year at least and food for two came to a ridiculously small sum there appeared in short to be a very handsome remainder left over for what sam called contingencies this would include of course the fixed amount which they had prudently resolved to lay by on the arrival of every cheque this much had already been settled between them sam had a promising nest egg in a boston bank 
and both had dreams of its ultimate hatching into a house and lot, or into some comfortable interest-bearing bonds. Elizabeth was firmly resolved to be prudent and helpful to her husband in every possible way, but was it not her duty to keep herself young and lovely as long as possible? The idea so cogently presented to her attention by Miss Tripp, not an hour since, appeared to have become so much her own that she did not recognise it as borrowed property. It was at this psychological instant that a second summons announced the presence of a certain Anita McMurtry in the entrance hall below. Did Mrs Brewster wish to see this person? Elizabeth hesitated for the fraction of a minute. "'You may tell her to come up,' was the message that finally found its way to the hall boy's attentive ears. Anita McMurtry was a neatly attired young woman, with a penetrating black eye, a ready smile, and a well-poised, not to say supercilious, bearing. In response to Elizabeth's timid questions, she vouchsafed the explanation that she could do everything and was prepared to take full charge. And by that you mean? I mean that the lady where I work doesn't have to worry herself about anything. I take full charge of everything, ordering, cooking, laundry and waiting on table. And I don't mind wiping up the floors in a small apartment like this. Window cleaning and rugs the janitor attends to, of course. When could you come? If I decided to engage you, asked Elizabeth, finding herself vaguely uncomfortable under the scrutiny of the alert black eyes. If you please, madam, I'd rather speak first about wages and days out. I'd like my alternate Thursdays and three evenings a week, and will you be going to theatres often with supper parties afterwards? I don't care for that unless I get paid extra. I left my last place on account of it. I can't stand it to be up all hours of the night and do my work next day. I should think not, returned Elizabeth with ready sympathy. We should not require anything of the sort. As to wages, Miss Tripp said you would be willing to come for twenty dollars. It seemed very high to me for only two in the family. Elizabeth spoke in a very dignified way. She felt that she appeared quite the experienced housekeeper in the eyes of the maid, who was surveying her with a faint, inscrutable smile. I never work for a family where there is more than two, said Miss McMurtry pointedly. I could make my thirty-five a month easy if I would. But Miss Tripp must have misunderstood me. Twenty-two was what I said. But you'll find I earn it. I'll come tomorrow morning about this time, and thank you kindly, madam. The young woman arose with a proud composure of manner, which put the finishing touch upon the interview, and accomplished her exit with the practised ease of a society woman. I wonder if I ought to have done it, and what will Sam say? Elizabeth asked herself ready to run undignifiedly after the girl, whose retiring footsteps were already dying away down the corridor. But Sam was found to be of the opinion that his Elizabeth had done exactly right. He hadn't thought of hiring a servant, to be sure, but he ought, manifestly, to have been reminded of his omission. It was surely not to be expected that a man's wife should spend her time and strength toiling over his food in a dark little den of a kitchen. No decent fellow would stand for that sort of thing. He wanted his wife to have time to go out, he said, to enjoy herself, to see pictures and hear music. As for the expense, he guessed they could swing it. He was sure to get another rise in salary before long, and much more of the same sort, all of which proved pleasantly soothing to Elizabeth's somewhat disturbed conscience. I suppose Grandma Carroll would say I was a lazy girl, she sighed. You didn't marry Grandma Carroll, dear, Sam told her with a humorous twinkle in his eyes, which Elizabeth thought delightfully witty. 
End of chapter 7 Recording by Michelle Eaton